My name is Josh. Just Josh. No last name. Or at least no last name I can tell you. I am a podcaster. I guess that makes me one of the most hunted, endangered species on Earth. I'm just kidding. There's way too many of us. This is Josh Gunderson, and you're listening to the Millennial Agenda Animorphs Edition. Welcome, everyone, to the Millennial Agenda Animorphs Edition, a weekly discussion of K.A. Applegate's sci-fi action series, The Animorphs. I am your host, Josh Gunderson, and I am joined by my Animorphs co-host, Kevin Morey. This week, we are discussing Book 9, The Stranger. Axe and Tobias discover a logging operation being sus as fuck as it's protected by a force field. I, I'm trying to appeal to the kids. I've been playing a lot of Among Us. Don't judge me. They discover <laughs> I hate you so much. They discover that the Yerks have decided to just up and deforest the whole area to force the supposed Andalite bandits out of hiding. Clearly, Visser 3 is just being petty as fuck. An attempt to recon the situation goes wrong, and the Animorphs find themselves quickly discovered and shot at. The group attempts a more subtle attempt at recon by sneaking in as termites, and that goes really horribly wrong and results in a little bit of a genocide. Axe, however, is able to get some information, and they learn that the logging operation isn't all that legal since it's taking place in a national forest. The Yerks need the vote of a particular person to legitimize the operation and they plan on infesting him when he comes to visit the site during all of this cassie and her father are caring for an injured skunk which is a bit of collateral damage from their first little dust up with the yerks at the logging company cassie learns that the skunk has kits and she decides that she needs to find and protect them while the animorphs are protecting the kits they learn that the councilman ferrand is heading to the logging operation at that very moment and they have to intercept him cassie is captured at but manages to morph and escape with Fran after a little bit of a standoff with Visser 3. Hopefully, all of this shutting down that logging operation. And that is The Secret, brought to you by the Ramones. I I mean, I feel like this book was more about Cassie once again finally struggling with morality. And it kind of makes me, this book kind of made me wonder about whether or not Cassie is being a little bit more quiet about her feelings because in book four she was very vocal about feeling very wrong about absorbing the dna of certain animals and morphing certain animals and it seemed over the course of the last few books that she kind of threw those morals by the wayside and now we're we're back to seeing her struggle with it so i'm wondering if she's been kind of secretly like harboring all these like really frustrated and pent-up feelings and now that we've got her POV, she's able to let them out. I'm, I'm very curious about that. Yeah, I feel like with Cassie, I really want to like her, but she makes it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> because she she's great for this series because it's the whole series is about how there is no true right or wrong. That there's a lot of gray when it comes to morality. And she's a great example of why always trying to be 100% good with your morality doesn't work because you do stupid shit like risking (laughs) your life to take care of some skunk babies which like it's wonderful that she wants to take care of these skunk babies but oh my god the lengths they go to well she almost gets stuck yeah she she falls asleep in a morph which is so just so stupid and like they're babies they're they just let them die 
just let them die. <laughs> let Tobias eat them. He already ate I, one. Oh my god, we need to talk about that because she was so mad. Cassie but was so thing. He is a wild animal now, and he needs to hunt to eat. And, like, obviously, he sees a baby skunk. He's like, hell yeah, this is, like, a great meal right here. He's going to eat it. That's what, that's the circle of life, baby. It's what happens. She should have just been like, cool, yes, you eat the babies. Enjoy. Though I feel like she did feel particularly guilty because the, the skunk that her and her father are called to go get off the side of the road was quite obviously hit by a draken beam. Because the the Horkvizier, much like stormtroopers, can't hit what they're aiming at, but they managed to get something this time around. And I, I I wonder if just that's her her guilt in knowing that that skunk probably would have been pretty okay had they not gotten into that little dust up. But yeah, I mean you're right. She's she was very hard to like in this book. I found myself very frustrated with her. Jake is frustrated with her, even though I don't know if you noticed this, but Jake winks at Cassie a whole lot in this book. Yeah, there's a lot of winking. There's a lot of winking. And I'm I'm wondering if he's just in the middle of a stroke, just a book long stroke. No, I mean, Cassie and Jake, or as the couple's website generator calls them, cake. (laughs) They basically all they ever do is like wink at each other and like, half hold hands with like just like a couple of their fingers when people aren't looking and that's like all they ever do so we're just buckle in and get used to a lot of that happening because he does it a lot and it's really it's gross i mean they're 14 years old or 13 or whatever so i I guess we can't expect much more but like i mean as everyone learned on this past monday's episode that was the epitome of my middle school relationship (laughs) <laughs> well, it was, it was more hand-holding and less winking, and both of us are now gay, so... Well, Jake there you go. Cassie, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, wh- I mean, while we're on the subject of relationships, can we discuss that we learn in this book that Tobias and Rachel are Netflix and chillin'? Yeah, so it's a little weird because... Oh, it's it's equal parts weird and heartwarming because Rachel and Tobias didn't really ever know each other or connect when they were both humans. They really like connect after he turns into a hawk forever. So it's kind of like it's kind of sweet because Rachel is like somebody who you would probably look at and think, oh, she's so shallow, but she is in fact so not shallow that all she cares about is personality because she's literally in love with a hawk. So like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's still a little. It's still a little weird because she had that picture of him. So I'm wondering if yeah, maybe she, that... I mean, knowing Rachel's personality, maybe she's a lot like me and that she's attracted to damaged goods and she just wants to take care of. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants to take care of the broken ones because she can fix them and it's going to be okay this time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's again it's it's heartwarming and sweet but it's also kind of weird but i i appreciate that they have this connection and that she really the really nice thing about it is that she's genuine about it she doesn't pity him she might pity him but she she doesn't spend her time with him and become you know attracted to him because of her pity she she sees him for who he actually really is that's it's really sweet but it's also like girl that's a bird yeah <laughs> So we do we do start off this book with 
once again, one of our, our random little cold opens, and it's Rachel and Cassie in some shenanigans in a science lab. And Cassie's working on a project, and it's not going well. And so they, Rachel suggests that Cassie turns into the rat to see what the problem is. What I don't get is why she had Rachel do it, too, because it just was yeah. promising problems. Like, why not it, have a lookout? It would have made a lot more sense, but we can't have things that make sense in this in this series, especially with these little, like, pre-main story mini-adventures, like these little escapades that happen in the first chapter. Yeah, it, I I would have liked, I would have enjoyed a lot more to read about Rachel encountering those guys as herself and being like, hey, back off and like scaring them away i think that would have been more entertaining to read about so i don't really know why they went with rachel also morphing the rat but you know we got to experience them running up the pants of teenage boys which is a choice (laughs) i it it was and then jake hears about it through the uh middle school grapevine don't mind me as i'm choking on water um (laughs) And he he finally, I think, hopefully has officially laid down the law about morphing for personal reasons because he's it's come up so many times and it usually ends up being Rachel involved somehow that something stupid has happened. But like Rachel can't be trusted to morph, period. Period. <laughs> She's attacked multiple people as an elephant. And like not even full elephant, but like mid elephant, like elephant girl elephant. And I'm not like Mm -hmm. she did it in both of her POV books. Plus the Megamorphs book. She she cannot be trusted. Like, girl, stop that. Uh, So he he lays down that law. And of course, it's it's immediately thrown away when Cassie decides that she wants to become a skunk and help skunk babies. Like, I really I really get the the need and want to take care of animals. I've said it plenty of times. I like animals a hell of a lot more than I like people, mm-hmm. but he, like what, like what is her overall plan? They, the, they can't be taking care of this one skunk family forever. They can't be checking in on them all the time. Right. Though I, I can almost guarantee Tobias is probably too afraid to eat them. So he's <laughs> not going to eat the babies, but I'm sure somebody else is going to, um, <laughs> So we have this logging operation, and I, again, I feel like so much of this plot revolved around Cassie and the skunks and her dealing with that, that everything else was just kind of thrown in this filler because they come up with one ham-fisted plan. Like, this book is full of ham-fisted plans because, first off, I guarantee that the whole deforesting thing to suss out the Andalite bandits is Visser 3 just being petty. Because he lost mm-hmm. his little, he lost his meadow in the last book that he safely dined in, and now he's like, "If I can't be safe, none of you shall be." It's just, like he, he's <laughs> going to tear down a whole forest, bro. What is that going to accomplish? And I really enjoy, and I didn't write it down, but I, I really find it very amusing that the logging operation's name is a dirty yerk word that we don't find out what it means. But Axe Axe is very offended by it to the point where he's like, I don't even want to tell you what it means because I'm not going to sully my my virgin thought speech with this. <laughs> they they 
break in and Axe is going through the computers and uh, he says, Daps and Lumber Company, Axe said. That's what the Yerks call this logging company. Very funny. What's funny, Marco asked. Dapson. It's a Yerkish word that means, well, never mind what it means. It isn't polite. I have some ideas, but I feel like it's the kind of word that would make its way onto Urban Dictionary. So prior to discovering the name of this company, they decide, and I, I cannot believe they did this, but they did. And they even had reservations about it, but they decide to morph termites and they smartly get and acquire some termites that are near the force field. Because apparently the rules of force fields are, I mean, they can only go so far and they don't penetrate the ground. So it, if they could like find something to go under that's casting a shadow, there's a lot of technology happening and my brain is not wanting to comprehend it. They go in as termites and oh my God, like we went from like the crazy hijinks of the last book. Like the last book was like a slapstick comedy Mm-hmm. And then we went right back into the morphing horror in this book. I, I feel like somebody at Scholastic was like, hey, K.A., you need to tone it down a little bit. And that's when we got the alien. And they're like, eh, go ahead and take it up a notch. And she was like, fucking termites, let's go. That whole scene is just ter- like Cassie panics hard. And she's normally the good one. And when it comes to morphing, she's normally the best. And she's like falling into this and they like they come to the realization that they need to destroy the queen and they do. And apparently once the queen is dead, that's it for the colony. I don't I don't know a whole lot about termites. I didn't want to Google it because I learned way too much about slug sex last week. (laughs) I can only I can only handle learning so much about insectology in in one period of time. Yeah, I got nothing on this one. Termites are gross. I don't want to. Yep, I don't want to read more I, than I had to. Internet, it's on. <laughs> it's on you. But so she freaks out and kills it. And while they're, and she starts freaking out hardcore. She starts to demorph to the point where she's like in the walls, and Axe had to cut her out with his tail. And thankfully, they end up in a, a storage closet or just in an empty room. Rachel's freaking out. Cassie's freaking out. Like, Cassie's freaking out. And that's what really troubled me about this. Because Rachel says, are you okay? Rachel asks. She bent down and put her hand on my shoulder. I gave her a hug. And just as suddenly, I pushed her away. Let me go. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And it, <laughs> I, I, it got all caps. I had to. That was my acting. Thank you. That's why my acting teacher hated me in college. <laughs> And then, of course, Rachel goes into warrior mode and, like, slaps her hand over Cassie's mouth and is basically like, shut up, bitch. And then Marco grabbed my ankles and held them still. That got weird. And she freaks out. And so that's when Axe gets in to the computer and they kind of they get all the information about um, Ferrand and all that. And then they they kind of retreat from the situation. And then we go into just a whole lot of Cassie and the skunks. And this leads me to a question, and you and I talked about this last week or the week before uh, when we were just mm-hmm. casually discussing this book. I I mean, I, I don't know too much about anything, as we've all learned over the course of these episodes. <laughs> but I, I, I find it hard to believe that Cassie was able to acquire Mama Skunk and Morphin, like, because being pregnant isn't part of your DNA and being ready to nurse so like her being able to go and nurse the kits 
bothered me. I feel like it's possible to lactate without being pregnant in general. It's possible for humans. I know that much. I I feel like this is this is a Meg question. Meg, when you're done listening to this, send me a message and tell me whether or not skunks or mammals in general can produce milk without having gone through the the pregnancy. Well, I'm I'm reading a very interesting um article right now. Uh World Breastfeeding Week Mammals and Lactation. And this is a really fun sentence. Mama whales can't afford to have nipples flapping around as they swim underwater. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to get any worse than slugs biting off each other's penises, but there it is. I wasn't finished. Floppy whale nipples. To preserve their sleek, aquadynamic shape, their nipples are hidden in layers of blubber. Same girl. <laughs> When babies rub their noses against the area, milk squirts out for them to enjoy. <laughs> also, the Pacific gray whale produces up to six tons of breast milk for one baby. Wow. That's a lot of breast milk. None of that was helpful to what we're talking about, but cue the more you know star. Here's one more for you. Um, the female platypus nurses its baby without having nipples. Oh, do tell. Uh, she secretes milk through her mammary glands onto her skin, and the babies lap it up. You know, if I'm just going to rebrand this to an educational podcast. <laughs> because we're just teaching the world so much. It, can I call a vet's office and just ask, like, tomorrow morning? Be like, hey, quick question. Maybe. Call, like, an exotic pet. I'm not doing that. American. I am not doing that. I have, I'm very bored, but not that bored. <laughs> Hello, I'm doing research for a book written in 1996. I really need to know. <laughs> I need to know about... And skunks lactate if they're not pregnant. So they they return to uh, save Ferrand because he's very suddenly heading there. And in their officially worst plan ever, because there was no plan, it was just kind of a reaction, they go in and I really enjoyed what happened during this battle because it was, first off, it was Visser 3 repeating all of his mistakes from not that long ago so cassie gets shot it doesn't kill her obviously but it it incapacitates her and so the yerks capture her along with fran and they put them in what i'm assuming is pretty much the same exact box that they shoved axe in back in the andalite's gift in the megamorphs book and mm -hmm. she wakes up to that and she's like oh okay I'm good to go. So she goes human and then morphs skunk. In the meantime, your favorite thing in the world is happening because the other animorphs are outside <laughs> turning on construction equipment. <laughs> it's, you know, that handy dandy life skill that every 90s teenager has. I, I, I must have missed that class. <laughs> I... <laughs> so, and it, it's so, because like Visser's like, they know our plan, and like Cassie talks to Visser Three, which is very interesting. But Cassie talks to Visser Three for the first time, and pretty much is like, "I'm gonna kill this mofo in here because I know you need him." And so Visser Three is like, "Ah, oh, get the Andalite out of there!" And he opens the box, and Cassie squirts him, and it's hilarious because it's terrible smelling 
And in the meantime, like they've turned off the force field and all the construction equipment's coming towards the building. And Axe then is talking to Visser and he's like, look, we've reached, we've reached a stalemate here. So why don't we kind of walk away from this? And Visser 3 is like, no, fuck that shit. And Axe is like, bro, you stink something fierce right now. Do you really want to be taking that around to all your spaceships? This is all verbatim, by the way. I'm quoting the book. This is how they talked in the 90s. <laughs> and so they, they kind of bargain out of it. And they're like, tell you what, if you let Ferrand go free, we will give you the secret on how to get rid of the smell. And Visser 3 is like, okay, fine. And I it's, it's a stupid Visser 3 moment because he actually he lives up to his end of the bargain. They drop Ferrand off in a hospital and let him go and it's like didn't y'all take over a hospital why don't you just infest him when he's out of sight like they don't they don't know of mm-hmm. course also also this whole logging thing was a terrible idea and i really enjoy that one of the controllers is like i can tell you how to deal with this and Vister three is like no i enjoy being made a fool so the animorphs tell Vister three about a certain kind of juice that will take care of the smell and they take off and uh, the next day, you know, to wrap everything up and bring all of our stories to a fun little close, they bring the mama skunk back to the babies. They're like, oh, it's okay now because they've uh, obviously Ferrand is like not okay with this logging. He voted against it. And the, I'm assuming the logging company just up and goes under. And it turns out that they pulled a little bit of a, a switcheroo on Visor 3. And Tobias shows up and he's talking about how they dug a big old pit with their equipment and filled it with the juice so that Visor 3 can chill out and get um, de-skunkified. And the next day he still smells and he's now purple because he's been chilling out in grape juice. So instead of mm-hmm. tomato juice, it's they told him grape juice, which is kind of a douchey move because he... He held up his end of the bargain, and this felt this felt like a very stereotypical '90s sitcom ending to me. If that makes any sense at yeah. all, because they're like, we go yeah. through this, we go through this, and then I just I just imagine Visser Three just like sitting in this pit of grape juice, like sulking with his with his arms <laughs> folded, looking all disgruntled, and then like a big like Gatorade size vat of grape juice is getting dumped on his head and his like eye stalks are all down and whatnot and then it cuts to the animorphs <laughs> they're like haha we fooled him and they all start laughing and it freeze frames on them in that laugh that's just how i imagine this book ends yeah that's fair and if we don't get that in a movie slash tv show then i don't see what the point of any of it was but apparently, as I'm I'm looking now, because I'm curious, I've never found myself in a situation of getting skunked. But apparently it's a myth that tomato juice will not actually do what we all think it does. It doesn't it does not actually chemically alter or neutralize the odor. Right. Yeah, it's I I have not personally been skunked, but I have known people who have many times and they try the tomato juice thing and like it helps a little bit but not a lot and really i think it's just because there's like some washing off of like the things that are happening but i don't think it's actually it doesn't break it down or anything doesn't get rid of it in any way it's just kind of a an urban legend like an old wives tale 
Yeah, so apparently, according to the Los Angeles Times, you would want to take a quart of hydrogen peroxide, a quarter cup of baking soda, and a tablespoon of dish soap. Uh, they recommend Dawn. Uh, this, this episode is now being brought to you by Dawn. A link to purchase is in the show notes. Um, it's, it's not. <laughs> I might. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> we just so Don Radio Shack and Cinnabon. Am I missing anyone? Ben and Jerry's, because I went over this. Yes, I went over this in uh, Monday ben and Jerry's. podcast episode. Please sponsor us. Send us dish soap and ice cream, please. And apparently some hydrogen peroxide and baking soda. Which that's like a a quart of hydrogen peroxide is a lot, and I feel like that would. Like if you leave it on too long, that's gonna do, that's gonna bleach. Peroxide will bleach you. I well, this is so that's like they're talking about this for a great way to pets. to ruin your hair. Oh, well, same thing. It'll, a pet hair, it's still gonna. I don't know. I, I will. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> talk to your vet before doing that. <laughs> Please do not soak your pet in hydrogen peroxide <laughs> without consulting your this vet. This came first. from veterinarian Gary Ryder. And he says it's one of the most common folk. So, all right. So when I call my local vet, find out. Are we really going to trust a guy named Gary? <laughs> when I call my local Are vet we? to find out about skunk lactation, I will also ask about. <laughs> I'm going to get the cops called on me. They're going to be like, this dude is doing some fucking so weird shit do. with some skunks. You, you lead in with the question about the skunk smell. <laughs> so you start with, hey. I'm just doing some research. Um, what happens if you get like skunk spray on you? Like, how do you get rid of it? And they'll probably be like, oh, we don't really hear this a lot, but like, this is a normal question for vets to get. And they'll be like, oh, you do X, Y, and Z. And then you'll be great. Follow up question Can a non pregnant skunk lactate? And that's what will really feel. Yeah, them. exactly. Because they're going to be like, this fucking weirdo <laughs> is trying to suckle a skunk and he got sprayed. I never want to hear you say the word suckle again. I can't make any promises. I just suckling on a flappy whale teat. Um, oh, God. Oh, my God. Just another... Just another we... Just another Monday night for you. We just lost Dawn as a sponsor. <laughs> but just Dawn. The other three are still Yeah, cool Ben and this. Jerry's is totally down. Actually, that's going to be the next... Fl- that's going to be the flavor that they... They create in honor of the podcast is floppy whale nipple. So this was this was a very simple book. Like I said, I feel like so much of the focus was placed on Cassie and her struggles with morality. So I'm actually get kind of curious for the next Cassie POV to kind of see where she's at. Oh, it's a doozy. Oh, just can't wait. The next Cassie. <laughs> so I that's really all that I have. Do you have any other additional thoughts? There's so many more thoughts that I have. Right. Thoughts about this particular <laughs> that book. I can say. <laughs> the one fun fact that I saw was that Jake acquires the termite along with everyone else, but he never morphs it. And in fact, he never morphs a termite ever in the series. And it's one of the few times that they acquire something and don't use it. I, well, I'm really hoping at this point that they stop morphing colony insects. I feel like at some point they morph like a bumblebee or something. Like, I feel like there's something that is still like a hive mind thing. I can I can say this much. The idea of a hive mind, like we saw with the termites and the ants, we will see that idea again at some point in the very near future. With that, um, I 
Well, one fun note, I haven't like dived fully into this, but apparently more of the Animorphs books are being put on Audible as audiobooks. Um, K.A. Applegate announced yes. this recently that a, another chunk of books um, followed by even more. So I'm kind of hopeful that along with that, I don't know if you all have seen, I sent you this, um, the first six books have been re-released with their original covers in a collector's tin. Which was really exciting until you told me that they don't have the little flippy morph. They don't have the flip book. They are in a different typeface, which th throws me off. Um, they don't have the inside cover illustration. So the when you look at the pictures on the PDFs that we're reading from, um, where it has the picture of the, the Animorph turning into the animal, the animal's head is actually a cutout. So there's a, an animal-shaped head hole in the front cover when you open it up you can see the picture of that morph in action in like another scene so that's not in these this uh vintage tin looking re-release it's also um the actual text is the newer updated version so what we're reading is the originals but in 2012 they were re-released and they took out some of the more dated references from the 90s they kind of went over some of marco's more chauvinistic comments about women being like dogs and stuff like that um, to make it a little bit more PC. Um, so if you want to get that tin, please go for it. We love supporting anything with the Animorphs financially because we want to see this series do really awesome things. But just keep in mind that while it will have the original covers, it is not going to be the true original edition. It just looks yeah. like it. I'm going to be honest, I'm low-key tempted because I'm hoping that if it does well enough, if like doing the math, yeah there's more. 54 mm -hmm. there's 54 like main series books if i remember correctly so they could feasibly if they do six in each we could get them within nine collectors tins and i'm hope I, I mean i'm really hoping that with enough support behind the graphic novel and this tin that we will get more of this stuff plus mm -hmm. i mean we we mentioned this when we first started doing the animorphs editions and i kind of feel like i need to hold myself to that standard when um, it's mentioned that K.A. Applegate has kind of given her blessing to the the free PDF downloads, it was with sort of the hope that when, if and when these books are re-released in any way, shape, or form, that people will throw their money and support behind them. Um, so mm. I kind of I kind of feel morally obligated to follow up with that. So I think <laughs> as soon as I can't do it right away because um, times are tough. But I think uh, the next time I am able to, I am going to go ahead and buy that collector's tin for myself. And, yes. Uh, and I would say, yeah, as we see new things releasing, if you do want to support this this franchise financially, support the new things they're putting out to show that we want more of it. So these audiobooks that are coming out, go ahead and pay to, to keep it on your, on your device, whatever you listen to it through. Um, these tins... Buy the tin if you want to have a cool little collector's item and kind of have physical books to read through if you're enjoying the PDFs. Uh, the the graphic novel, please buy the graphic novel. It comes in a paperback. It comes in an ebook. If you don't want to spend too much money on it, it was so good. It was so well done. It was very true to the series and like the heart of the series. And we want to see more of those. So if you're enjoying what we do here and you're enjoying the series, please give some money to yes, this and I've got, I've got links to all of these things in the show notes so please 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 check them out um, again because it, it supports an amazing author um, both 
both Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant are two amazing people. I follow both of them on Twitter. And I, I feel like without ever having spoken to them, they are just now my adoptive parents, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. So um, please support them. And I mean, uh, both Catherine and Applegate and Michael Grant have wonderful writing careers. They've both um, gone off and done other great things. You can actually watch um, the film adaptation, The One and Only Ivan um, by Ka- Catherine Applegate on Disney Plus right now. If you've got Disney Plus, go for it. Um, that They'll be our next sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. never will never Disney. will never oh my god <laughs> totally yeah, going to sponsor oh, they're not gonna want anything to do with me so <laughs> with that i thank you all so so much for listening next week we will be discussing book 10 the android if you'd like to read along check out the show notes for a link to download the entire series for free on pdf the graphic novel of the invasion like we said is now available wherever you buy books or the link to purchase is in the notes as well New episodes of The Millennial Agenda are available every Monday with new Animorphs editions each Friday. You can join the Millennial Agenda podcast group on Facebook for exclusive bonus content. If you think last week's episode was insane, you should hear all the stuff that I cut out of it, which I will be putting in the Facebook group. And it is, it's oh, weird. Great. It includes a really bad lobster joke said by Kevin. That lobster joke was funny. Sure. It's funny. Anyway, and I'm also going to have some contests coming up where you could possibly win your own free copy of the graphic novel from me. Who knows? You can also follow along on Instagram at The Millennial Agenda. Information about how you can contribute to this podcast financially is also in the show notes. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. That helps get us in front of other people who might enjoy us as well. Until next time, y'all, happy reading. Thank <laughs> you.